What's up, people? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. This week's part two of our interview with Dr. Darren Blumenthal from America, talking all about how to get innovation and change in your business. Let's get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We need an oppressive regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Riss Fluent and your host, James McPherson. Welcome back to Rebranded Safety, everybody. Rebranded Safety does exactly what it says on the tin. We're here by podcast and YouTube to challenge the perceptions, to challenge those health and safety gone mad practices, to provide you with really good conversations on this podcast and some simple advice free for everybody to use on YouTube. So if you listen here on the podcast, which you obviously are, feel free to go over and check out our YouTube channel. All of our interviews are on there for you to watch. This week, uh, we're talking with Dr. Darren Blumenfeld. Now, this is part two. So if this is the first podcast you've picked up, make sure you go back and listen to part one. We're basically talking all about a framework um, which Dara created herself a long time ago that seems to have had a little bit of a uh, rise to the populace in social media. Um it's all about how to create innovation and change in your business. So make sure you go and listen to part one and we'll get into this one in one minute. Let's just do some shout outs. So first things first, we like to give shout outs to people that say nice things about me because it massages my ego. Um, so all three today are from LinkedIn. First, we have Simon Archer dropped me a message on LinkedIn. So he's been listening to the podcast, wanted to reach out, likes what we're doing. Um, he works in construction. Um, he's wondering if we have any plans to do a CDM podcast. The answer is yes, Simon, we do. We have uh, a podcast episode recorded i just need to pull my finger out and edit it um and that was with our good friend rachel who's been on the podcast before um and she's very popular so we'll look forward to that that'll be out in the coming weeks so keep your ears and eyes out on social media and the podcast etc and that will be out soon simon up next we have Roy Lovelock. Let me just get his message up. Here it is. Me and Roy had quite a long conversation, so I won't read it out. I'll just read the initial message out. So he connected me on LinkedIn as well. Said, new listener to your podcast. Loving the messages, brackets, and the swearing, close brackets. Does have its place in training for sure. So it was a very nice message. Very nice to hear that somebody is an advocate of my swearing, because unfortunately I was a bit on the fence as to whether I should cut it back or not. I do try to cut it back in interviews. I think it doesn't really suit interviews. It's more the podcast where it's just me having a little bit of a rant sitting on my soapbox. So thank you, Roy, and welcome to the community that is rebranding safety years. I'm not really sure. I'm still working on a name to call you all. Up next, and last but not least, we have Greg Burgess. Greg connected with me on LinkedIn as well, dropped us a message saying he's been enjoying the podcast whilst on the road, some interesting stuff. So thank you very much, Greg. Thank you for everybody who listens to the podcast if you're new to the podcast as you can see from those you know it's a good podcast so subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to um i'd absolutely love it guys if you give us a rate and review whatever platform you listen on and share the podcast you know let's get other people listening to this let's share the wealth without further ado though let's get into part two of our interview with dr darren blumenthal all about how to create innovation and change in your business yeah, I just, yeah, it just, as you kind of explain it, it just kind of makes sense to just imagine that kind of boardroom. And, and we, as a, as a, I don't know, safety professionals, we would always just be like, well, well, that's just a bad culture. You know, that's a bad culture. And that's what you, exactly what you were saying at the beginning of this conversation, of just skimming along the surface of this stuff. And actually, oh, that's a bad culture. That's why you're not saying anything in a meeting. And, and I remember being in a meeting just not too long after Grenfell and we were, you know, trying to work out whether we've got a problem and, and mm. then this, this gentleman just kept going on. Well, that's all, it's all about culture. It's all about culture. And I was like, yeah, but like, do you actually understand what that means? Like, even from my point of view as a non-sociologist, psychologist, whatever, 
it's a real complex process of loads of different winding roads. And then to get down to your kind of level of sociology, psychology, critical theory, it gets even more complex. And mm. uh, so that's kind of, yeah, as, as you're kind of talking, I'm just imagining that kind of boardroom environment, mm. how much you can probably, maybe it's quite fascinating for you to sit, but fly on the wall at the size <laughs> of a boardroom with your kind of, intellect of why people are and I bet it's quite fascinating to just sit and watch people from your point of view isn't it yeah 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 and um I used to do more of that I'm now what's more fascinating to me is actually trying to draw people into deeper mm. deeper connection yeah um and something I can add uh so on the diagram I write I wrote this is where the conversation usually stops right yeah. And, and the real risk there and, and, and the challenge that um, I think we're starting to face is that, like you just said, with culture in your example, culture, right, this, um, you know, this sort of this word, this signifier actually means a huge amount. It means so much. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it's, it's like things get reduced down, like empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm being empathetic don't it's like i'm being empathetic can't you tell like right like i'm yelling at you that i'm being <laughs> empathetic because i'm using the word empathy right yeah. um and and so two things one <laughs> as we we abstract things right we make thing an it we make it an it or an it's right we take mm. this really rich really I, I mean if you if you start to think about culture the culture of your workplace as something that is literally experiential. It is something that is in your direct experience. And it isn't just a, an it's, it isn't just a thing out there that you can point to, right? So, so with psychological safety, one of the things that's happening is that I, you know, I hear people say, you know, well, you know, all of a sudden, you know, something, you know, someone says something, someone else is like, I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe, you know? And then that gets shut down, right? And mm. and I just I just want to like really underline that like psychological safety means that you feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. Okay. You mm. feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. Mm. Because the only way that we are able to achieve liberation, the only way that we're to achieve things like innovation to really open up and go into a deep exploratory place is that we have to be able to move through our discomfort. Mm, I like that. We have, yeah, we have to move through the uncertainty of the moment. So psychological safety doesn't mean everyone feels safe all the time. It means that we as a, as a collective, we have enough, enough safety, like sort of fundamentally built into our culture, into our we space, into how it feels to be together, that I know if that I get uncomfortable for a couple minutes, I'm going to be okay on the other side. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. That's like creating a safe environment to feel for a short amount of time, potentially unsafe. Exactly. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, in a nutshell, that's that psychological safety, and and you did touch on like interpersonal trust. What 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 would that, what how does that kind of resonate? When what does that actually look like? What does it sound like or feel like? Yeah, yeah, feel like I like that. So, because um, if I to look at the words, maybe if I, I try and help yeah, yeah, get go, to the point, yeah. like if I look at the word interpersonal, so like into me, like like. Uh, I trust myself, but then interpersonal between me and someone else is having that, what I would normally call trust as I trust you not to ruin my podcast because you know what you're talking about. Or do you know what I mean? You create that trust and you trust me to not embarrass you on this podcast or something like that. And, and so interpersonal, I feel like that's talking just as much about me trusting myself as much as you trusting me and I trusting you in a way. Is that right? Or Yeah, I, I like that. I like that interpretation a lot because I think in order to really build trust, you know, to, to have trust, there is an element of, of trusting yourself mm. and being able to sit with yourself and, and sort of, sort of just be fundamentally with your, with your own experience. And so that you, you, when you're bringing that into relationship, that you can feel, okay, this person is hearing me, they're receiving me, 
And, and because of that, because there's enough space here for me to express, and I'm able to create enough space for this other person to express, then there's, we can feel that there's this mutual reciprocity. And that, that's something like trust. Mm. That's something yeah. like, you know, um, for, you know, and it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not quid pro quo. It's not like I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Right. Mm. It isn't, um, there isn't a, it, there isn't a power dynamic in it mm. to really have this interpersonal trust. You trust it. It's not about power. It's really clean and straightforward and it's reliable. Mm. So is it kind of like if, if say, say I was, I was in a meeting and somebody, or, or let's say I was in a meeting presenting a solution or what I believe to be a solution. And then somebody doesn't agree with that solution, which is natural in business. So somebody doesn't yeah. agree with that solution and without me being on the defensive to get to your point, I kind of trust them and I feel psychologically safe in that business to be able to be uncomfortable with being challenged, but trust that they're trying to get to the same solution as what I'm trying to get to. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. Awesome. That's such a good example. Right. And you can, you can imagine how, um, because I mean, I don't know about the environments that, that you've been in. Um, but some of the environments that I've been in is that, is that people are so often still trying to, prove themselves right mm. it's there's so much self-worth stuff going on and that's part of why it becomes so personal at work mm. right it's like i'm gonna try to put you down your idea down not not because i think it's the wrong solution but because i i don't want you to 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 get one up on me mm. you know so i mean this is really like this sort of stuff that it's, it's a really, really, really real part of, of business um, and of corporate culture that like this, these are the sorts of reasons why we don't have trust. We don't have psychological safety because there's so much ego involved. The ego is clinging so much to what it thinks it, it needs when actually in what you described is something that it's, it's really beautiful in a way to say, I can, I can deal with my own discomfort for a, a couple of minutes to hear a different idea, to hear a different perspective, because I know that we're both working towards the same ultimate goal. And it isn't about, it isn't about making myself look good or getting myself one up on someone else, but it's actually about doing good work. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what? It's really, this is really difficult because each time we have, a, I could just have a conversation just on that <laughs> one bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I really want to do want to move on. Um, ah, this is really difficult. So the, the next bit you've put on there is that kind of, you've, you've said which, so psychological safety and interpersonal trust requires active listening and empathy, which you have touched on already, but then you have yeah. right, right on the side and it's not showing very well in my computer. But, so correct me if I get this wrong. If you're lucky, the conversation, this includes, but rarely does it delve into how the, preceding one related to the reliant on the preceding is that right okay maybe I'll, maybe i'll read it. it's my handwriting so um okay it says if if you're lucky the conversation includes this yeah. active listening and empathy uh -huh. but rarely does it delve into how the preceding are related to and reliant on the proceeding oh, okay. so um yeah i mean so there's something interesting that is happening for me right now as I'm looking at this. Um, hmm. And I'm going to do something really maybe weird. And um, I don't know if, if you consider this new agey, but um, Ooh, I've, I've been, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and let's just say like very, very Buddhist or very um, uh, something like that. Right. So um, I, so I'm thinking, so my, my Buddhist teacher, his name is Dr. John Churchill, uh, he's British. And, um, he, I, I heard him give a talk a couple days ago about, he's talking about basically the energy centers and the chakras, um, things like that. Right. And he's talking about basically like, sort I think, I think like tantric physiology. Okay. So, um, and there's just something I like here about, um, there's something right that I'm doing right here in the model where I'm saying, this is a really vital bridge 
between the stuff that came before that's a little more outside, a little more um, uh, developed in a way, uh, versus this stuff that's more, that's sort of deeper, more personal, more internal, more individual. Okay. So we're at this like bridge moment of active listening and empathy. So what, um, what I really, so sort of in, in like, in the sort of spiritual circle, spiritual world there, um, people talk about the heart chakra, the chakras, right? So you have mm-hmm. most, most of the time people are using a model of seven chakras. Mm-hmm. Um, and the seventh chakra, which is like, um, it's like the, the sort of most spiritual center. And that's, that's like up above, right above your head. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, um, there's the root chakra, which is at the base of your spine. That's considered the first chakra. Um, and, uh, people are, you know, there's this idea that we're trying to attain spiritual realization by going up the chakras. And if we work with this like seventh chakra, sort of this like soul place, Um, Then we'll have these like spiritual attainments that are sort of moving up our body and in in doing state training and working with in with the physiology with working um, with energy you can you can do practices where you're moving energy sort of up your body. So (laughs) I'm going to tie this together. So (laughs) um, the thing that I think is really interesting that's that that is occurring to me is that my teacher John says, you know, it actually isn't like that. It isn't like the seventh is the ultimate. It's more like the heart is the center. The heart is the integrative function and the heart, the heart integrates this, the sort of seventh, this like spiritual center and it integrates this root, this deep root chakra center, which is this energy center. That's like, it's really about safety, fundamental safety. And so it's more like, um, it's more like a, if you look at it, if you look at it more uh, horizontally instead of vertically, that the heart is integrating these high attainments and this aspiration, and it's integrating this deep need for safety, right? So I, I'm, for whatever reason, that's sort of what I'm seeing in the model right now as we look at it. Mm-hmm. So if we think about innovation and change as, as this really aspirational sort of ultimate thing that we're going towards this, you know, innovation in a way is like, it, it, it can be like a spiritual expression. It can, it, it is sort of like an ultimate human uh, expression, something moving through us that gives us this like, aha, right. We, we don't really know how real innovation happens. It just sort of occurs, right? Mm. Um, it's not linear. You can't plan it, right? It's just like, whoa, like I, ha- like I have an epiphany, right? It just mm. happens. Um, so if we, it, the corollary, right, is like if that is sort of like the seventh chakra, right, this like spiritual center, and if what we need to start with is this like deep safety, this deep self-awareness, then, then the heart is the integrative function, which is really this active listening and empathy. So if you think about active listening and empathy, if you think about those as, as heart functions, as the way that we actually integrate our heart into the work that we're doing in the world. And let me just say sort of as a little anecdote, or I don't know what it is, but, um, the heart, uh, the research that's actually been done on the organ, the heart organ, um, is that the, the, the electric field of the heart, the physical heart, it, it extends in a very, very massive way. It's a, it's a huge field. So your physical organ emits a huge field that bathes all of your other organs. So um, if you're interested in this, there's a, the Heart Math Institute has done really, really interesting research on the heart. Um, so the heart is this, this sort of function that, that bathes your experience in this integrative and sort of regulatory function. So I think the way that I wrote that sentence of like the preceding is, is predicated on the proceeding it's like the the empathy you know it's fundamentally empathy is like you're literally like opening you're softening your experience so that you can you're like literally feeling what someone else is feeling Mm -hmm. and one of the ways that you can develop that that capacity is is through listening and i like the um 
this this metaphor of listening is like it's like a like a bowl and it's like is is the bowl empty and is there a lot of space that you can fill with your like right now you're giving me so much space you're being so generous with your listening and you're just enabling me to continue to talk even though i know you're there and you probably have things that you're thinking about and maybe that you want to say but the the sort of bowl this like there's this beautiful empty space in between us that i'm able to just fill i can just fill the bowl up with with my thoughts and with what i'm sharing with you right now Your audio is just because gone. you're oh right say something and, and like how ironic that like no, i was just about to that, say as if that had just happened yeah yeah I right can, no, i can hear you it's like i'm i'm like tricking fate okay right. did this go back now it went it went in and out it's back now okay okay so um so back funny that yeah how ironic is that yeah right it's like there's a little synchronicity there right <laughs> So it's like we're talking about how important listening is, right? Mm. And then the sound cuts in and out. <laughs> I think normally I would cut that out, but I might leave that in because that's just so, I just thought, when it went, I was like, oh shit, she just said like how good it is. I'm not saying anything, but now I have to say something because <laughs> it's a dilemma. Um, okay, so you were, you were saying about like kind of that, that bowl and that, that, you were, you were saying how you've got all that space to kind of fill it and that and then it cut yeah. out at that point so continue on yeah it was it was good yeah well so so you can and you can feel when you when you're talking to someone and they don't really have a lot of time and space for you they're not really listening mm. to you so it's like the the bowl is full and like maybe you can pour a little bit into this in just into the surface but there isn't a lot there to really, there isn't really a container there for you, mm -hmm. right? So um, one of the ways that we can really develop our ability to, to listen actively and to develop empathy is really to like, to just be with our experience and be able to on our own calm, calm our experience down. And just so it's literally like we're just opening, we're just opening our heart in a way that we can just receive. Mm. I was, when you said there that you can feel if somebody like doesn't want to listen or hasn't got the time that that is so true like one particular person came to my mind and I will not I will not mention <laughs> the podcast however that one particular person you could I just know like when they ask me a question that it's, it's a leading question to get to a point where they want to talk about something about themselves so maybe that comes back mm. to that thing you were saying earlier about getting one up on someone and stuff like that maybe that's about maybe the same thing but you're so right that you can just feel it like that somebody yeah. like you've asked me a question but you don't give a shit about the response like you, you really don't care and sometimes it's really obvious isn't it like they'll interrupt you before you finished and and you know be like oh hi dara what's it like in new york oh, blah, blah, blah. and you're like god you didn't even let me say um <laughs> sometimes it's so obvious but sometimes when someone's talking you could just you just know that essentially they don't care, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which kind of ties into that thing you were saying about it being milk. And uh, forgive me, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher what you just said around like the <laughs> chakras and stuff, but it, it makes sense that it's kind of more spiritual that, you know, I can feel when somebody just really doesn't want to hear the answer. They're just maybe being polite because they feel like they should. Um, you can just feel that sometimes, which is interesting. Yeah. So you, you, have, you can go on. Go ahead. I was going to say, so you have to try and try and build that into your business to be able to get your interpersonal or no, I kind of got like the psychological safety and interpersonal trust was, was kind of like the room or the environment. We can kind of create that environment where we trust each other and, and we feel psychologically safe, but then, the active, I, mean, I might be wrong, but the active listening and empathy is more me, like the, yeah. me, whereas the bits before were more uh, us and them as, as a collective. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and it's more, yeah, I mean, I feel like we're, we're sort of like co-creating. We're like interpreting this thing together because I made it a few years ago. So <laughs> Um, I really appreciate, you know, how, how you're sort of helping elucidate this alongside. Um, and I, I think that, um, 
Yeah, there's there's something about active listening and empathy that's really um it's it's maybe it's maybe really how you it's really like your basis of operation or your sort of orientation to the other. Okay. Um, so it's, it's starting to turn into more of the personal. It's like, it's like, okay, how are you actually, um, contributing to, uh, the interpersonal, the, the psychological safety and the interpersonal trust. So it's really okay. sort of getting closer and closer to the individual. I see what you mean. I'm with you. Yeah. So like my, well, I suppose actually the, your, your next bit down, you've got vulnerability. So maybe that maybe makes sense. That, and again, I could be completely wrong, but my vulnerability might be then affecting the environment of psychological safety because of how yeah. I'm acting. Is that, is that kind of uh -huh. what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's like if you, um, if you're not vulnerable, you're and you're like your bowl your listening bowl is filled up mm. because really to really to listen to someone requires some vulnerability yeah, to really sure. like soften and take it take someone in and really um like i one of my mentors rob his name's rob mcnamara he's awesome <laughs> he wrote a book called the elegant self um he says you have to place you have to place your attention inside of, of the person's voice when you're listening you have to literally place place your attention inside of their voice mm. that's like that's the depth of really what listening is so you're literally like becoming enmeshed with what you're hearing yeah when you when you first said about like being listening is, is kind of vulnerable my, my initial reaction was like mm, i'm not sure i get that but then as, <laughs> I, as I kind of think about it it, it, and I kind of maybe try and relate it to, to this, to being, being a kind of podcaster for lack of a mm. better phrase, like there, there is a certain vulnerability in me letting you speak or me listening to you, especially somebody that is so intellectual in that one subject and me, the podcaster is so not intellectual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea where this conversation is going to go. And actually, it may come to a point where I am vulnerable because I have no idea what to say next. And, uh -huh. and that's a kind of constant thing. And that, uh, that's something I've struggled with doing this of the podcast. Is, is like sometimes I'm listening to someone and I'm like, if you finish talking here, I have nothing to say. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm like, where do I go with this? And you, yeah. And, in the beginning and my first, you know, and we've not even been doing this, this a year, actually, I think we will nearly be at a, a year. I'll have nice. to check my calendar. But <laughs> um, yeah, when, when I first started doing it, I would panic and, and I would yeah. have to have um, my notes and stuff. And I've still got my notes, don't get me wrong. And I still check them, but I'm much more relaxed in that environment to be vulnerable, lead the conversation, talk to someone so intelligent as yourself and then be able to just kind of go, or well, is that like this or is that like this or have I got this completely wrong so yeah you're right you do have to be vulnerable I, I think um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. A great way to put yeah. it so then your, your next bit you've put yeah. about self-awareness and self-reflection now self-awareness for me is something that I think I've only scratched the surface on it but mm. since finding out about it I think has potentially changed my life and I, I wouldn't mm. say I've I've read any books about or gonna be taught how to do it just the word self-awareness or the phrase self-awareness for me has helped me become self-aware like I, mm -hmm. I'm quite aware we had a psychologist on one of the I think it was like the second guest we had on the podcast and he was talking about it and I kind of opened up to him a bit and said like you know I'm quite self-aware of the fact that I have a constant desire to be um wanted and thanked and gratified kind of like a dog you know you get a treat all the time I have a constant need for that and he was saying, like, if, if you want to talk off the podcast, we can, because that's probably come <laughs> from how you were raised and et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> but, but ever since having that, I've been able to work so much better because I can say it's okay not to be thanked all the time and I don't need to be thanked all the time. It's a constant battle with that. 
And then the other thing, which I think everyone has, and we touched on earlier in the podcast, is that immediate feeling of being attacked when somebody challenges your way of presenting something or your idea or whatever. Being self-aware of those two things, Mm. for me, has helped me become a better Mm -hmm. professional. Because Mm -hmm. essentially, as a lot of the time, I might be saying, we can't do that because it's dangerous, in my opinion. And that's my initial reaction. But somebody inherently is going to challenge that. And I need to be okay with that. And that was mm-hmm. just my real layman's kind of turn mm. and an experience of self-awareness. Self-reflection is probably something I really don't understand, like how to reflect on myself. Is, is that mm-hmm. just kind of thinking how, how I reacted in an environment? Is it is that simple or how I reacted to you saying something? Or Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think um, I think the one of the best modes of self-reflection is journaling, mm, and I think um, because it's something that I ask all of my clients to do. That sometimes people don't know how to journal, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's like I in my understanding of what like a real sort of powerful form of journaling is is that you sort of just sit down and ideally your your handwriting because there is something physiological that goes on when you handwrite that like you you get access to more stuff um but you you just sort of like sit down and you just you're not you're not thinking and writing you're not like oh what do i want to write about oh i'm going to write about my day oh i'm going to write about that conversation it's more of an ex- exploratory thing because okay. it's more like you use the journaling you use self-reflective writing <laughs> journaling as um <laughs> I like I used to just say like I'm gonna self reflectively write and then like my friends and my husband would be like oh you mean journal <laughs> like I don't know why I had to like make it anyway so that's a funny joke um, but yeah you you make it exploratory you don't make it something that you know what you're gonna say you actually use it as a tool to uncover how you feel about something or how you feel about a conversation you had or how you feel about um, something that you're going to do next week. Like you actually use it as an exploratory method for, um, uncovering, revealing to yourself where you are with something, how you feel. Okay. So that's interesting. You said about journaling because just before my honeymoon, I started journaling. It lasted about a week. I went on holiday, went on my honeymoon, didn't take my book with me and it stopped. Um, I, I, think i would like to do it again but so you you're kind of saying like you you don't have a structure to it and a bit of research i've done around it is like some guy the other day i was watching said the best form was to just have three things that you were going to do in the day and then reflect on how you did that and how you did why and how you felt etc then you're essentially saying just write. so how would you have how would you be able to put pen to paper you know where, where, where do you start how do you feel about the day or how do you feel about now or yeah yeah so let me say a couple things one again this is like where my sort of like my like uh my like deep love of the of the emergent of emergence comes in Mm -hmm. again um and 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 my desire to always sort of be in the depths of something right so i think using a framework like that is totally fine and i think it's a it's a sort of a different thing okay I, I'm, I'm talking more about, um, this probably isn't the sort of thing that you're going to do every day. Um, maybe you won't even do it every week. Maybe you'll do it. I think, you know, once a week is really good, but maybe you're only going to do this sort of, this sort of journaling. Um, and I, and the reason that I ask my clients to do it because the nature of the work that I'm doing with people is that people are, are coming and, and they're sort of, they're in a, like at least a six month transformative container with me. So we're, we know we're spending at least six months together working in a transformative way. So I'm hoping they have, you know, something to write about at least once a week <laughs> for those, for those six months. So, um, but it's like, it's, it's a tool for when you're, you're feeling, it's like 
maybe you notice that you're feeling a little off or you're, you're waking up and you're feeling grumpy, you know, a couple days in a row and you're like, I don't know why I'm just feeling grumpy or, um, you know, there's something that's going on in your experience where you feel a little off or even you feel like really happy. Like there's, there's something going on that you're feeling and you want to explore it. So you just sit down and you're saying, you know, you're right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really blocked. You know, it, the block feels like, you know, it feels like this, this like weight on my chest and it's like showing up at work. Like you just start writing about what you're experiencing. Mm. So would it be, would it be more of a reflect or uh, not a reflect, a, a reactive process then? Like you were saying, like, I've woke up, I would say over here, very typical, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed is kind of like how we would say it here. So I woke up in the wrong side of the bed and I'd be like, okay, I acknowledge that feeling and I'm going to write about it. So is it more reflective or not reflective, reactive then in a way? Well, um, I get, I think this might be a little more semantic, um, but like to me, literally what you're doing, like you, like in the example you just said, like you're literally reflecting on the, the feeling that you had about waking up on the wrong side of the bed. That's what you're reflecting on. Mm. Um, be, so, so react being reactive or reactivity or, um, a reactive thing, it just has a different, and it might be cultural too. Um, I mean, I spent almost five years in the UK, so I have a sense, but, um, reactive has a um it has a different connotation it's more um so in a in a very simple way uh to to enter into a reflective state it has an openness there's something really open about that state whereas to be in a reactive state there's something a much more narrow mm. okay, i don't know yeah. if that so translates kind of yeah i get what you're saying so would that if you're, you're, you, let's say, let's say we were to all listen to this and start journaling <laughs> to that poor self-reflective writing, um, would that make us self-aware or how do you become self-aware? So like I was saying, I, I feel like I've become a little bit more self-aware, but I wouldn't call myself someone who is self-aware. Does that make sense? Like how do we, yeah. we, we focus quite heavily on self-reflection. Like how does one become self-aware? Yeah. So, so definitely doing this kind of, um, exploratory journaling will definitely, definitely help can definitely help you become more self-aware because that's literally what you're doing. You're like, you're trying to become more aware of why you're having the experience you're having Mm. fundamentally mindfulness meditation. Um, uh, being in any sort of, um, like therapeutic or counseling, like didactic, where you're talking with someone that mm-hmm. definitely can help a, a lot for me. My, so my, my background, my, um, I was, I, my, my, my mother is an artist. I grew up like very in my senses. I was a dancer. My undergraduate degree is in mind body awareness. So I, I studied, um, awareness techniques. So, um, a really big, uh, way that I'm self-aware is, um, is, is, is kinesthetically. So I've really developed through like proprioception and interoception. I've really, really developed, um, an ability to, to monitor and to be aware of what, what experience I'm having, like, like physically and, um, definitely, um, you know, I think the, the, the work to, deeply understand my emotional experience is like a lifelong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so really being able to be aware of, of my physical state, um, is a, is a really, really big element for me. How, how does, how does somebody kind of like start with that? Cause like, I think we're, we're kind of getting into an era where in the, not in an era into a subject where in in the uk especially like i think hmm. may, maybe it's a generational thing i feel like the younger generations coming up to like kind of like the new age would be more accepting to this this kind of thing but i think most of the people that i'm trying to influence or ceos might be trying to or even ceos themselves are going to be of a certain age of a certain generation 
that would be like, I ain't doing this this soft ass crap. I ain't touching this <laughs> yeah. namby pamby bollocks or what you know. They they come up with some horrible term like that. But it's how. Let's say I, I managed to influence somebody to to get past the barrier that they don't think it's namby pamby. They think, okay, I'm gonna do it, and then they say, okay, James, you convinced me. What do I do now? You know, yeah. how, how does somebody start to be kind of self-aware? And yeah, um, I know it's, that's more, not a simple answer. I know that. It's, but. Yeah, it's not. But I, but I'm, I'll make, I'll try to make it simple. That by saying more than more than what you do, even though um, you know, going to a yoga. Let's just use yoga as an example. Um, it's mainstream, it's secular, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't even know that it has like a spiritual basis. Mm -hmm. Um, so yoga, you can, so even more than the what of what you're doing, even though the what can help, it's how you do something. So you can go to yoga or you can go to CrossFit or you can go, you know, um, you know, run, run miles, whatever it is. And you can, you can do it from a state of mind, which is really goal oriented. I'm going to yoga to get fit, to make these shapes right with my body. And I'm going to strive until I can, you know, until I can make this particular shape. I, you know, I'm going to work until I can be in down dog comfortably until I can do warrior three without falling, you know. the how in that scenario is that the how is that you're striving, you're striving for an end goal. Mm. So you're not actually being present with your experience. Mm. You can do this. You can do all of those same things. You can run, you can swim, you can do yoga, you can do CrossFit, you can ski, whatever it is. But if you do it with the intentionality of being really present and really curious about your experience, you're going to have a totally different experience and probably a different outcome too. Um, so you can, you could sort of turn anything into an awareness exercise. And there's, there are even awareness techniques that I work with. Um, namely there's one that's called voice dialogue. It's also called big mind technique where you're doing it conversationally. You're actually inviting people into different states, um, and then exploring what their experience is. But it's all about, it's all about, you know, are you going to, are you going to pay attention to what your experience is right now? That's Mm -hmm. all. I mean, self-awareness is ultimately you're aware of what, what your experience is, how you're showing up, how you're communicating. Mm -hmm. Um, so start, you know, starting really simply when you're eating your next meal, are you just like, like shoving food in your mouth to like, be like, I'm eating this meal or is it like, Oh, I'm taking a bite. I'm tasting this. I'm paying attention to the textures. I'm looking at the colors of whatever I'm eating. Like, it's a really different. Mm. It's a that different sounds part. very similar to mindfulness. Is it yeah, like, I'm, that's how. That's basically different. what I'm doing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're kind of so one you, and the same, I suppose. Like self self awareness in in that moment as to what self is doing. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I like the dinner analogy because I, 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 the amount of times I eat, so I eat so fast. The amount <laughs> of times I eat something and I think like, you know, what I don't, I couldn't even tell you what it tastes like. I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> you think sometimes I just need to slow down. You just chew. It. Yeah. <laughs> and, just and just, chew. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, and and the best analogy I think for me is is a Snickers chocolate bar, and I'm, I'm mm. very conscious this is probably one of the longest podcasts that we've done, but it's a great <laughs> conversation. So I'm sorry to keep you, um, but I, I, sometimes I crave a Snickers chocolate bar. I just think I really want a Snickers, so I go and buy it. I've uh-huh. it by the time I get back to the car. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. And, did, and I'm like, did well, you enjoy it? I, I can tell you. I think I yeah. just eat it. Like I just eat it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then sometimes the, there's this thing I do. If if I get some chocolate for me and the wife, right, I will not eat my chocolate until she eats hers because I know once I've finished it, if she then starts eating hers, I'll have that mine so quick that I'll be like, oh, I want some of hers now because <laughs> because I've kind of not slowed down and tasted it. Maybe that's yeah. what you're saying. Like it's, yeah. it's not the fact I'm getting food envy because I finished it and I'm just a greedy bastard. It's actually the fact yeah. that I didn't, I didn't 
experience the chocolate I was eating in the first place. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I'm laughing because, you know, it's a little bit humorous the way we're talking about it, <laughs> but, but it's actually like, if you think about that, like, but like sort of like expanded out into someone's entire life, mm. it's quite devastating mm. that we, we are so often not with ourselves. We're actually not in our lives. We're just not, we're just not with our, with our life, with our experience. Um, it's actually, it's, it's sorry to, to sort of thread in this like dark note, but no, it's, it's true, isn't it? you know, you get a sense that it would fix so many of our problems that we're a bit more aware of ourselves aware it's so if i was a bit more mindful when i was eating that snickers bar i might not have a craving for so much longer because i've experienced it and and i've got that enjoyment out of it maybe it would cure our obesity problem if we're a bit more mindful when we're eating if we're a bit more mindful when we're eating about the impact of that on on the environment or something maybe we would solve our environmental crisis as well um so I think you're right. I do think that it could solve so many of our problems. I'm absolutely fascinated by, by all of this. I mean, Richard, Richard Brand, Russell Brand um, is, is massive oh. over here and he probably yeah, is over yeah. there as well. And he's really gone heavy into kind of the spirituality side of things and actually meditating and, and, and doing all this stuff. And I've read his biography from when he was young and kind of his life mm. and how horrendous it been to take mm. somebody out of that environment to to be to be able to put them where he is now is just phenomenal mm. so I'm, I'm kind of addicted to his podcast um you've kind of you finished this off and you've said like the self-awareness so we, we've started innovation and change you've got teamwork collaboration communication psychological safety interpersonal trust active listening empathy vulnerability self-awareness self-reflection and then you said rich requires something that i'm not gonna lie i've never heard of adult yeah de- developmental capability yeah what is that so this is this is basically referring to um adult developmental psychology. So the way that we, so, so basically um, the research uh, in adult developmental psychology, the way that we develop as adults, um, it, it follows uh, a particular um, sort of trajectory, a a particular unfolding where, where different capacities come online at different stages of development. And the thing about adult development is that it, um, it isn't biologically driven, like, like early, like our early childhood development into adolescence, like that's all biologically driven. It all happens biologically. Mm-hmm. Um, so adult development is something that that's very real and very possible for everyone, I think. Um, but it's largely contextually based. And it's, 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 you know, it's, it's like the environment that you're in, the people you're surrounding, you're surrounded with and your willingness to, to take risks, to be uncomfortable, to try new things, um, and, and to be reflective about it. So, um, so the way that, so depending on someone's, uh, sort of developmental and, and I just want to say too, that, um, you know, this, this is a little more academic, but something happened with postmodernism where we at least in sort of like the liberal sort of academic way um we've we postmodernism became really suspect of of hierarchy of anything that said this is better than that because postmodernism took the perspective that any hierarchy is oppressive mm-hmm. um when actually uh a different point of view and the point of view that adult developmental psychology takes is that actually having something that is a growth hierarchy, not a dominator, not a depressive, a, um, an oppressive hierarchy, but a growth hierarchy, the way that we grow and develop as adults is actually, it's crucial. It's actually the way out of oppressive systems, oppressive cultures. Um, so it gives us insight into where we can continue to develop our minds and our bodies in adulthood. 
So um, let me just give you a really concrete example. Um, the one that I probably mentioned the most, and I think the one that we probably deal with the most inside of organizations is, um, is, is the difference between uh, someone who developmentally is at a place where they're orienting to an authority outside of themselves whether or not they've internalized that and they're doing it to themselves or they're, they literally have a figure that they're like, that person knows the right way to do everything. There's a right and a wrong, you know, this very sort of black and white linear thinking. As opposed to someone who is orienting more from their internal sense of authority, an internal sense of um, what might need to happen, really different. Um, and is, is sort of more independently functioning in that way. So um, I'm sort of loosely describing Robert Keegan's model. Mm -hmm. And that would be the first one is more socialized mind where you're functioning more in a, like a social atmosphere. There's like, there's like an in, it's like you're either in or you're out. It's like us mm -hmm. and them, mm -hmm. right? Or more um, self-authoring where you're actually you're not following the path of the group anymore. You're actually going on your own path. Mm. So I, I think, I mean, the model, it doesn't actually, it doesn't, I don't think it, it can function without this last step. I think it's really powerful even without this, mm. but I think I included it because it's a little bit like an el the elephant in the room okay. in that, we actually have multiple levels of development functioning in a team, an environment, even within ourselves all the time. And it's, it's really, um, it's something that we're not that aware of yet as a society that actually there are, there are different levels of development and we can radically change our perspectives and our paradigms and our worldviews. Um, and it's not just like we're stuck and it's not like we're, it's going to be us and them. It doesn't have to be that way for the rest of your life. But you can imagine if you're dealing with someone who is all about protecting the in-group at work mm. versus someone who's willing to venture out and hear m more diverse perspectives and mm. actually challenge the status quo, it's a really, really different function, like foundational way of operating. Mm. Yeah, that's what the, the kind of last bit you said there that's kind of brings it all, all, all into that real world perspective that kind of like mm. this is this is my team. We are the health and safety team, for example, and as a hierarchical setup, we are the technical specialist. What well, doesn't that doesn't mean like when I'm delivering training and someone says, "Oh, this is a stupid question," I, I, I quite like to say nine times out of ten, the stupid questions are the best questions because it yeah. forces me as a trainer to really get down into something to be able to make it simple, or it does something else. It makes me go, "Actually, no, that's a much better way of thinking about this mm. or, or doing this or something like that," and and it kind of reminds me of. A book I'm reading at the moment by uh, what's his name Matthew Syab, where he talks about diversity and in, in, in thinking, and I think that's what kind of you diversity mm. of ideas and stuff like that called rebel ideas, and, mm. and he kind of put it into perspective as saying there was this research done, and I've, I've mentioned this in another podcast as well, but um, where a Japanese and American people were shown a fish tank, the American people saw. Uh, mostly the fish when they were asked to describe it they mm. described the fish um, mm -hmm. because of their culture they were very contextual uh, I can't remember very uh, itemized in, in their way of looking at things and the mm. Japanese people were, were much more contextual there we go so they described the tank and the backgrounds and the sand and the plants etc and, and the point was that not one is better than the other. It's mm -hmm. that if you only employ a Japanese team, you'll only ever see the fish tank. You'll never see the fish. If you mm. and, and obviously he goes much more into this, but yeah. this is just kind of my simpler way of putting it. If you employ the American team, you will only ever see the fish, never the tank. So if you were to combine the two, you would see the fish and the tank. Which when yeah. I read that, I remember sitting on my on my honeymoon reading that and I just went, Phew. That's amazing what <laughs> way to kind of explain that, yes, I'm a health and safety team and I'm looking for a solution to a health and safety problem. But actually the finance 
manager might actually have a solution totally but we never totally oh my gosh made me think of what that's what i was thinking of when you were saying that kind of last line wow awesome what a great what a great conversation <laughs> first i mean that was a great conversation and we kind of we could have i could have quite easily spoke about every single one of them for hours on end um and i'm just kind of trying to think you know it, to put it into perspective maybe i'm a i'm a business owner a business leader and we'll kind of we'll finish off here um the 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 bits at the top is maybe what me as a business can can do try to create a safe psychological environment try to build trust within my business work on how we're communicating and and is that communication effective does everybody understand do we have good teamwork do we feel like we're working together as a team are we collaborating with other people to get those diversity ideas mm. And the rest of it to me seems very personal, like me as individual for, am I actively listening? You know, do I, am I empathetic, self-aware, et cetera? Could, mm. how could a business, and, and I'm kind of do this in a nutshell because I'm conscious I'm taking up all of your day, um, <laughs> kind of, it did, could they put on a class, for example, on mindfulness and just say like every Thursday, uh, the last half hour of work, a voluntary session where Dara, for example, comes into work and does a mindfulness session or a meditation session or active listening session. Sure. Uh, things yeah. like that, would they make a difference? Would they help? Was that a silly question? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, I think that's great. Um, and, and sort of, um, the thing that I want to say is, you know, we spend so much of our lives at work. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about, um, okay, if, if people want to start to work on these skills and these tools, um, work is sort of like, it's like the playground. It like is mm -hmm. the place where you're going to try to use these skills, you know, because it's, it's just where we spend most of our time. I like that. Um, so, so the, I think there are ways, um, to culturally say, you know, we're going to try to invite more of these behaviors into uh, our meetings or we're going to have, um, uh, you know, I, I think something that's really, really simple that people can do is they can start to say, like managers can start to say, really, if, if, if managers have sort of developed these abilities, empathy, active listening, they're able to be vulnerable and open. And they can start to say, you know, what are the conversations that we aren't having, but that, that you go home and you, you complain about, or you vent about, or frustrating, or you think we need to be having as a team, just starting there. What are the conversations that we aren't having that actually impact you and impact the work that you do and impact how you feel about work and being at work? Um, and then, and then the other thing that is, is more sort of this active listening technique. Um, I mean, it's, it's fascinating, you know, as a facilitator to just ask, you know, it's like, you're, you're in a, you're in a meeting and you say, you know, Hey, Hey, Mary, um, can you just repeat what Steve just said? Hmm. Or Mark, can you just, can you just repeat, you know, what Sam just said? Hmm. So stuff like that, that's super, super simple, but it's a real skill set. Mm. How do you do that from a perspective of not trying to catch people out? Do you know, like I get what you're, what you're doing there. Too, so you're, you're trying to see if, if somebody is listening, like actively listening, but how, how can you do that without it being perceived as... Yeah, and maybe, yeah, and maybe that comes yeah. to the, the one of your top lines about communication is more how we say it. So, it, and, and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but it's not so much like, Dara, what did I just say? It's more like, hey, Dara, yeah. did, did you get that? Do you, do you mind repeating what I just said? Or Yeah, exactly. Is that like it? Or? I think so much of it is, is in how you say something. Mm. Um, 
And, and the other thing is, a, is, is sort of the framing. So you can, if you're going to have a meeting, you can say, Hey, I'd like to try something in this meeting. Can we just make sure that we're hearing each other so that we're, we're coming to the same conclusions that we're, we're actually understanding each other. Mm. So, um, and maybe if you have a facilitator that makes things even easier, even if it's, you know, if you're going to play the role of a facilitator in a meeting, I mean, you know, I think facilitators should just be like roving around organizations, helping people have conversations. Like um, yeah. Um, but it's, it's like, it's, you know, if you, if you are light about it in yourself, you're like, Hey, I want to do an experiment. Can we just try this? It might feel a little funny. Um, I just want to check if we're, if we're really in sync with each other. So mm. we're going to do this and we're going to make it sort of playful. Would, would a simple first step would be leave your laptops at your desk? Leave your laptops <laughs> yeah. outside? Like, totally. The amount of times I go to a meeting and you're talking away and someone's like this. And you just think, I'm not even going to ask if you're listening because how can you listen and type like that all the time? I don't, I don't get yeah. it. I, yeah. oh, I can multitask. Yeah. Okay. But you may be listening and multitasking, but you're not hearing what I'm saying. And I don't think we're going to get a real good collaborative conversation. If you've got your face in your laptop, <laughs> is that something that's for me, that's that's it's a bit rude for, to start with. It's not I very, feel like it's rude too. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe it's that empathy piece, you know, you're, you're, yes, you're like, I've got loads of work to do. Yes. You're busy. We're all busy, but yeah. How is that being perceived as to me, the presenter? I'm being yeah. asked to stand up here. Maybe I'm really nervous about that. And you're just sitting there on your laptop or your phone. Um, yeah. and, and I just think, would that be a simple first step? That's something that tangibly a lot of businesses could do. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's okay. easy. And you know, if, if someone is that busy, then that, I think it's like, can that person be empowered in some way to make the decision for themselves actually you know, my time is better spent focusing on this than being in this meeting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the next question, isn't it? It'd be like, well, I can't afford to leave my laptop there. Well then that, that forces us as a business to, to ask the question, is this meeting worthwhile? Exactly. And then we just get to a beautiful place where people stop <laughs> inviting me to the meetings. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. And, and so oh, that's, yeah, that's what, and I do think that's something that I'm really glad we kind of got to that. There's something that we can kind of tangibly take away um, because we've talked about a hell of a lot of stuff, which I think like you quite rightly said at the, at the beginning that we've gone a little bit in depth on these, but I think even now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we have just skimmed the surface again of a lot <laughs> of this stuff. Um, so which kind of brings us a good way to kind of lead out so we've scratched the surface of a lot of this stuff and some of the like wow i really like what dara's doing and how you're talking etc you want to give us a quick kind of uh give us an insight into what you could provide to any listeners that are out there maybe in america or over here in england or wherever um that really interest you your service you provide how they could get hold of you and obviously all the websites links linkedin whatever we'll, we'll put them in the description below cool yeah sure um well generally i'm i'm sort of open to any anyone if anyone just wants to have a conversation mm -hmm. or ask me a question that's something i'm just open to generally um, in terms of the work that I do, uh, I, I work with leaders and I work with teams and I also work with just individuals, people who want to develop themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so I do holistic life coaching and I do integral facilitation. Um, and fundamentally, I help people, um, I help teams communicate better. Have re I, help, I help teams have real communication, real conversations, develop actual relation, relationships. Um, I, you know, as a quick sidebar, like, I don't think that there's enough genuine relating going on in the workplace. So I help people start to do that, that real relationship. Um, and then, you know, I, I sort of help individuals find their truth, find their power and orient their lives in that direction. So all of the work that I do is oriented to liberation and aliveness. We want people who are free and I, we want people who are actually alive. Mm, yeah that's a really nice way of saying it i think like 
you know, if maybe somebody's listening to this and maybe we, we've gone down more of the kind of personal focus, like how does this help a business? But like, if we could create an environment that is all of the things we've discussed and, and create people as comfortable and as safe, et cetera, of all of the things that we've discussed, what an amazingly profoundly mm. innovating and 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 well-performing business as well surely that's just going to be yeah. an amazing environment that we would all you know wouldn't it be nice to not overly love your job like i always say like if, if you're a cleaner for example maybe you don't like being a, cl- a cleaner maybe some people do and that's that's fine but most people they think i'm i'm just a cleaner you know and i say that in quotations mm. um but it's like, okay, you, you maybe you're not going to be able to create the love that, that that person might not have in the job. Like you would love your job. You've worked, you've spent years, you know, working up to it. People mm. like that inherently love their job, but a cleaner, maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. we can create an environment where they love to work in so that yeah. they forget about the actual job. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. So, you know, uh, people... Go on. Go ahead. No, you go. Well, <laughs> um... You know, people people leave jobs often. People leave managers. People mm. leave the the other people that they have to work with and the people who have power over them. So if you actually change those dynamics, you're gonna have people maybe you know be a lot happier in what they're doing. Mm. I agree. I, I think every job I've ever left is not not too much the 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 job or or the business it would be the leaders or the managers or one particular manager or whatever so i agree yeah yeah. 100%. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you Thank found you that conversation useful. I think Dara is that kind of person yeah. you could just talk to Thanks about this me. subject for hours. She obviously understands it to its nth degree as she's been studying it for so long. It's such a good conversation and it was really, really helpful for me, actually. And we actually recorded this a while ago and I'm still thinking about it now. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed that, guys. If you did enjoy it, let's give it a share. Let's get... Dara's voice into other people's ears it's some really good eye-opening stuff in this podcast and I think more business leaders more safety professionals business owners etc need to hear this message so please 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 share the podcast if you enjoyed it as well give us a rating uh, or a review if you do give us a review or a rating just screenshot it and tweet us uh, rebranded safety or um, come find us on facebook as rebranding safety and you can find me on linkedin as our three people from the shout outs did um, earlier so my name is james but first if you don't know already Thanks for listening, guys. We've got a lot of big interviews coming up. As you know, we've got Andrew Shaman coming on the podcast, and that's being recorded this coming week. Week commencing the 18th, and um, you've got an opportunity to ask Andrew a question. Check out my social medias. Check them out, uh, LinkedIn, everything, wherever I am. I will have put a post absolutely everywhere to give you the opportunity to ask any question to the president of IOSH. The, it's probably one of the biggest names in safety at the moment. You know, here's your opportunity now to ask him whatever you want, whether it's what he has for breakfast in the morning or what d- diploma he did or how he exercises. It could be absolutely anything. I don't care. I won't, if we get loads, I won't ask them all, but I will ask the favorite ones. If we don't get too many, um, I'll ask as many as I can within our time frame. So make sure you go and check that out. If you can't find the post, just DM me to say, hey, I'm going to, here's my question for Andrew. Um, so yeah, make sure you don't miss out on that. As we mentioned earlier in the intro, we've got um, Rachel coming back on, talk all about CDM. We've got some uh, culture experts from America yet again, come on uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, we've got some experts, all that we're talking to about potential podcast episodes. So keep your ears and eyes peeled on Rebound and Safety. We've got loads of stuff coming up. Anyway, that'll do for today. I'll catch you next week. Safe. <laughs>